believe this is what the Lord would have uh, to bless us on today. Out of the New Testament record, uh, the Gospel of St. Matthew, uh, St. Matthew chapter 2, and uh, chapter 2, and uh, the text is verses 1 through uh, 15. Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And the Bible says, now. Thank you, you may be seated. That's enough for today. Now. Touch your neighbor, tell him now. That's what he, that's what he said, now. That's what the pastor's going to talk about. Now. Yeah, suddenly. Immediately. Right now. Now. It's most interesting to me that such a great and momentous stir occurs even at the very announcement that Christ would be born. Just at the announcement, at the thought of it, great things take place, world-altering, life-changing events that had never taken place before and have never taken place since take place just surrounding the birth of our Savior alone. Think about it, even while still an infant, while a baby, still dependent upon his mother to be nursed, to live, before he had grown into adulthood, before he ever even spoke one word as a toddler, before he had ever conversed and confounded doctors and lawyers in the temple, before he ever turned water into wine, at a wedding, before he had given sight to the blind, before he had ever given walking legs to the lame, a right mind to a lunatic, before he exercised any demons out of those who were possessed, before he fed any multitude with two peace and a few biscuits, before he walked on any water, before he spoke to any stormy winds and waves and made them lay down like babies in the maternity ward, before he stopped any funeral procession, told the dead son of the widowed mother to get up out of the casket and go on back to school, before he preached any sermon, uttered any life-changing parable, before he performed any single miracle, listen, just as a baby, with a baby's weakness and dependence at his birth, we already take note of world-altering and life-changing influences already being manifested. As an infant, he's so dangerous that Herod, the king at the time, the ruthless king, says he's not going to take any chances and decrees that all male boys two years old and younger in the whole town be killed. All this is even uh, while the baby was still a toddler in the nursery. This is just surrounding what takes place at his birth. Because again, the Bible says now. Suddenly, instantly, when Jesus was born, there came wise men from the east. And what it demonstrates to us is that uh, just as soon as Christ was born into the world, and as soon as Christ is born into you, there is instant and infinite power 
immediately available and activated even from an infant savior. As soon, immediately, now when Christ is born in you and really begins to dwell in you and you give him reign over your life, uh, even then you as an infant Christian, if you will, have access to a savior who has infinite power. And I'm happy to report he didn't stop doing things suddenly, instantly, and immediately at his birth. But listen, ever since, he's been known to still do some things suddenly, immediately, and instantly. Listen, Mark chapter 5, 29, you remember there's a woman there. The Bible said she had an issue of blood for some 12 long years. Spent all that she had trying to find a remedy for her situation. But the record is one day she heard Jesus was passing by. And the Bible says as Jesus passed her way, she began pressing her way to see him. She pressed her way through the crowd for she felt that if she could just simply touch the hem of his garment, she could be made whole. And the Bible says immediately when she did that, immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body healing from her disease. All right, y'all remember in Matthew 8, there's a brother there. He has leprosy. And the Bible says he came and knelt before Jesus and said, listen, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And the record is Jesus reached out his hand and touched the brother. He said, I am willing. He said, be clean. And the Bible says, not shortly thereafter, the Bible says immediately he was cleansed from his leprosy. All right, Luke chapter 8, y'all remember Jesus and the disciples are in the boat. Uh, they're out on the Lake Genesaret. The Lake Genesaret is surrounded by snow-capped mountains, and every now and then, the warm air rising from the lake uh, will go up and collide with the cold air coming down from the mountains. And whenever that happens, a terrible storm breaks out on the sea. And Luke chapter 8 says Jesus is out there. He's with the disciples, but he's sleeping in the boat. And then the, the storm is so bad, it's a windstorm, but it's pushing waves into the boat. The disciples began panicking, and they wake up Jesus, and Jesus ends up speaking to the winds and the waves. And what happens? The Bible says suddenly, suddenly, immediately, now the storm ceased, and all was made calm. Listen, I could go on and on uh, with instances in the biblical record where uh, the Lord every now and then would do some things suddenly, instantly, and immediately. But let me go ahead, fast forward, and give you my praise report this morning. And that is, I'm happy, happy, happy that every now and then, when you and I find ourselves in some desperate, dysfunctional, discouraging situation, God is still willing and able to do some stuff for you suddenly, instantly, immediately and right now. Preach, Perry. I'm doing the best I can. Matter of fact, let truth be told, there's some of us who are in here this morning who could testify we really got saved. Uh, but we got saved not gradually, but suddenly. Uh, somebody in here could testify God healed you, but he didn't do it gradually. Some of us could tell you he really did it suddenly. Uh, some of us couldn't see it coming, but God just stepped in and looked like he just made a way out of no way. Somebody in here, you got delivered, and it wasn't no 12-step recovery program. It was a one-step recovery, recovery program. God just showed up, showed out, and he did it suddenly. Somebody else, you were at the end of your rope, and the rope was breaking. 
But thank God somebody prayed for you. Before you knew it, God had stepped in, brought you out, and he did it. Touch somebody, tell them suddenly that we have a suddenly Savior. And just maybe somebody in who needs to be reminded that whatever you're going through, although it might seem so unpromising, God can still do it suddenly. Heal suddenly, turns grief to joy suddenly. He can calm your storm uh, uh, suddenly. He can promote you suddenly. He can bring you out suddenly. He can take you over suddenly. He can restore that relationship suddenly. Somebody, he can bring somebody new into your life suddenly. He can give you a supernatural breakthrough, and he can do it suddenly now. So the Bible says, now uh, when Jesus was born, uh, what happened? There came wise men from the east. And listen, whenever Christ is really born in you and you allow him uh, to have reign over your life, you have instant power from an infinite uh, savior. That's good news. That's good news for somebody I know. Uh, 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 good news uh, for somebody I know just to know. Uh, that uh, uh, you, you, you didn't have to be in church all of your life. Uh, it's good if you have, but even if you haven't, uh, you still have access to the power he gives. Uh, because the truth of the matter is, no matter how long you've been in the church, and no matter what you've done, none of us have done enough. Neither can we do enough to merit eternal life and God's favor. Uh, uh, but God gives it to us. When we accept his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, in our lives. Uh, 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 and so you don't have to allow holy rulers and Pharisaic finger-pointing Christians uh, who, uh, who, who will say you haven't been in the church long enough uh, to do this, that, and the other. Listen, uh, the Bible declares all of us are equal at the foot of the cross. We all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. You're not going to help me preach today. Listen, you do know everybody needs to be delivered twice. I said you got to be delivered twice. Come on, ask me how. what, what are the two ways. You, you, you need to be delivered from sin. And then you need to be delivered from some other Christians. Is this mic still on? Yeah, you need to be delivered from sin. And then you need to be delivered from some other church-going people who always want to point out what you can't do. But I'm here to tell you again, he's no respecter of persons. Uh, the minute, the instant uh, that you accept him into your life, regardless what your past has been, you got access to the infinite Savior just as much as anybody else has in the whole place. There's a thief on the cross. You don't believe me? The Bible makes it clear. There's a thief on the cross with Jesus. He finally comes to his senses. And listen to what he says. Y'all remember what he said? He said, listen, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus turns to him and says, let me tell you something. He said, there's no wind to it. He says, today, now, immediately, suddenly, thou shalt be with me in paradise. He's a suddenly savior. And so the text lets us know that now when he's born in you, there is now present and available to you a power not only to change what you're going through, but power to change you while you're going through it. And so even in his infinite stage, in his infant stage, if you will, 
in the world, like so, his infant stage, even in your life, he already begins to reign for uh, the wise men say, where is he? Get this, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Yeah, yeah, you missed it, you missed it. The wise men say, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Yeah, yeah, now, okay, let me tell you what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, where is he that may become king? It, it, it doesn't say, where is he that might grow into a king? But the Bible says at his birth, they are rich about where is he born king of the Jews? And thinking about him in that light, there's no wonder that even before he mounts the throne and gets back to glory, his enemies are already plotting uh, to kill him and they are conspiring for his death. And yet at the same time, we got some wise men from the east that are already searching to worship him and seeking to bring him great gifts. And so I just thought for a few minutes this morning at this time of the year, uh, when the world celebrates Christmas, I just share a couple of things that happens when the God is really born in you. Uh, when Christ is born in you and you allow him to reign in and over uh, your life and notice I said this time of the year when the world celebrates Christmas because you do know that the world has a different perspective about Chris Christmas than children of God do uh, for the world they try to celebrate what you call a Christless Christmas uh, matter of fact they don't even say Christmas anymore they say happy holidays but I thought I'd remind somebody this morning there is no Christmas without Christ uh-huh. There, there, there is no holiday without the Holy One. Uh, he still is the reason for the season. And so Christmas is not about some Santa. It's about a Savior. Uh, it's not about Rudolph. It's about our Redeemer. Uh, it's not about mistletoe. It's about the Messiah. It's not about a reindeer with a shiny nose. It's about a shining star. God uses to bring wise people to his Son and our Savior. And that's why I said in this time and season when the world celebrates Christmas, because listen, if you are a child of God, you don't wait until December to start celebrating Christmas. We celebrate Christ every time we come to worship throughout the year. And so when you allow Christ to be born in your life, you allow him to reign over your life, over your affairs, over your business. Listen, you have what we call abounding grace immediately. Yeah. Let the church say abounding grace. Abounding grace. Thank God for his abounding grace. When you read the first chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke, you'll find toward the end of that chapter it says, The angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, sent to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name, espoused to a man, uh, whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for that thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Well, what's the connection between being favored and having grace? Well, listen, that's really what grace is. 
Uh, grace is what you call unmerited favor. Uh, meaning I'm not really deserving of it. Really not fit for it. Matter of fact, all of us in here can declare like Isaiah declared, woe is me. For I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. And listen, I ain't by myself. I drill in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Meaning that even if I thought I was good, when I really see myself in light of the goodness of the Lord, I see how much of a wretch I really am. But is there anybody in here able to look at your life and see where you've come short and fallen here and there, but yet God through his abounding grace has looked beyond all your faults, your failures, and went ahead and given you favor and supplied your needs anyhow. Am I in here by myself? And so when Christ is in you and you allow him to reign over you, you are already highly favored because you are already experiencing his abounding grace. And I don't know about you, but I thank God for his abounding grace this morning. Anybody in here other than myself can testify? I wouldn't even be where I am today if it had not been for his abounding grace. Maybe that's why you spell it grace, G-R-A-C-E. Uh, G, uh, R-A-C-E, G-R-A-C-E, G, God's, uh, uh, R, riches, A, at, C, Christ, E, expense. Uh, put it all together, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Yeah. That's what really grace is. Yeah. Not only that, but then notice in the text, uh, God's grace is so abounding, it's so far-reaching, that uh, he uses a star to reach some astronomers. Now, 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 there are many things we don't know about uh, these uh, wise men that are on their way. Uh, many people assume across the years certain things. Uh, for example, many people assume there were three wise men. You see it in some nativity scenes. You see it on Christmas cards. Uh, but that's not biblically recorded. And, 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 and perhaps some people assume that because three gifts are mentioned. And maybe they assume uh, uh, that that one wise man brought one gift uh, with each of them. But the fact is, the Bible does not account for how many wise men that there were. But despite what we don't know about them, yet there is a few things we do know about them. Uh, first of all, they're from the east. Uh, I suppose Mesopotamia and the Tigris-Euphrates area uh, in Africa, uh, now referred to by many as the Near East, uh, we know they left their homes, uh, they incurred great expense, they risked great danger uh, traveling through hostile regions, uh, they traveled literally hundreds of miles over many months, all just to get to the place where Jesus was in order to worship him. And we know that they were advanced in astronomy, the study of celestial bodies, and all of that. And so notice in Matthew 2 and 2 of the text, it says, the wise men say, for we have seen his star in the east. We have come to worship him. And so let me go back and say God uses a star. He uses a, part, a star, a part of the, uh, 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 of the astronomical atmosphere, if you will. He uses something the wise men were familiar with in order to reach them in the east where they were in order to bring them Bethlehem where they needed to be. And somebody, you missed your praise break right there because whether you realize it or not, the reason you really in, in worship even here this morning is because God favored you 
he supernaturally stepped into your situation and sent somebody to guide you to your Bethlehem, not of Judea, but of Cornerstone where you really needed to be. And it's all because when he's born in you, you experience his unmerited favor, his abounding grace in your life. And then look, when Christ is really born in you and you allow him to reign over you, not only do you experience abounding grace, but then you also experience overflowing joy. Let the church say overflowing joy. Verse 10 of the text says, when they saw the star, listen, what did they do? It says they rejoiced. And then they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Yeah. Notice now they rejoiced when they saw the star. Yeah, 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 you missed it. Uh -huh. uh, they rejoiced. Yeah. Uh, uh, they, they, they exceedingly uh, 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 with joy uh, rejoiced. They have exceeding great joy, the Bible says. Uh -huh. The King James Version puts it. And so they rejoiced when they saw the star. Mm. All right, you're not good. They rejoiced when they saw the star. Yes. Let me put it another way. They rejoiced when they saw the star. Uh -huh. <laughs> All right, let me tell you when they rejoiced when they, when they didn't see anything. Let, they, they rejoiced when they saw the star even before they saw the child. Yes. Yes. All right, all right. In other words, when Christ is born in you and you allow him to reign over you, He'll give you joy overflowing in advance of your expectation. Uh, you can rejoice in advance because your praise of him in advance is indicative of your expectation of what he's getting ready to do in your life. And you need to know that your demonstration of your expectation just really makes room for his manifestation. Anybody who knows your expression of belief will make room for his increase in whatever you're going. Anybody here looking for God to do something new for you as we move into the new year, but you're not going to wait to give him glory. You go ahead and shout now because even while you're waiting, he's giving you joy overflowing. I wish I had somebody that would go ahead and rejoice in advance of what you believe in him to do that is on the way. Oh, the Bible says if he's born in you and reigns over you, you can ask and you shall receive. Uh, if you seek, you'll find. If you're not, the door shall be opened unto you. And so the wise men, they had overflowing joy just seeing the star in the expectation of seeing the child. Then notice in verse 11 what happened. The Bible says that when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshiped him. Listen to me. When he's really born in you, you'll really look forward to worshiping him. The children of God look forward to coming to the house of God. If you know you are a child of God, you love God's house. You love God's people. You love God's music and God's singing and God's praying and God's preaching. You love the fellowship of the saints in God's house. And I know I'm not in here by myself because I know a whole lot of folk who've gone out of town on Fridays and Saturdays and couldn't wait to get back in town for Sunday morning just so they couldn't miss an hour of power at Cornerstone. You do know there's something about the atmosphere of the house of God where you go to worship. Uh, I can visit other churches, and I've heard some of you all say, uh, Pastor, I, you, you just spoiled me around here. Because I went to another church, and three hours later, I thought you'd wake up about right there. Three hours later, the preacher still hadn't got up. And I wanted to tell him, we do all this in an hour. 
there's something about being in the house of God where you're supposed to be on Sunday morning and filling and absorbing the atmosphere of the saints and the presence of God in the place. Uh, we love an hour of power, but sometimes the fellowship is so good, we'll be in here for an hour, but you hang around two hours for brunch. Is this mic still on? It's just something about being in that. Can you just thank God for being in an atmosphere of wonderful fellowship? So God blesses us with joy overflowing. Your joy will make you want to bring him your best offering. Because the Bible said they didn't come to worship light-handed. But they brought him some gifts. Some wonderful gifts. They brought him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, when you study uh, the culture of the ancient East, you discover that it was customary for an individual to bring your best gift to your superior, and you did it expecting something greater in return. And so they bring him gold, but they knew he could give them glory. They could bring him frankincense, but they knew he could give them favor. Uh, they brought him myrrh, but he could give them mercy. And I wonder, is there anybody who knows you can't beat God's giving? No matter how hard you try, the more you give, the more he gives to you, keep on giving. Because it's really true. You can't beat God's giving no matter how hard you try. And then finally, when Christ is born in you, and I'm done, not only do you have this abounding grace available to you immediately, not only do you have this overflowing joy that he freely gives to you, but then you got everlasting security. Lord, have mercy. Let the church say everlasting security. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, the Bible says, And when they departed, when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, deeper into Africa, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod is seeking the young child to destroy him. Get it now. Listen, he says, go ahead and leave, he said, but, but take him to Africa. Don't go to Europe. Go to Africa. I need him to go someplace where he won't stand out. I need him to go someplace where he can blend in. So don't go to Europe. He said, take him to deep Africa. And that's how it is even when uh, the instant that Christ is born in you happens and you allow him to reign over you and guide you, uh, black lives still matter. Uh, you are a child of God and whenever you're a child of God, uh, because you have so much value in his eyes, he'll give you everlasting security. He provides security for that which he values. And listen, here's some more good news. Even when you can't keep yourself, God will send angels to keep you for yourself. Keep angels to keep you from hurt, harm, and death. Won't he do it? Uh, listen, even when you don't deserve anybody in here who recognizes you've come short of his glory, and with all the stuff you've been through, all the stuff that could have happened to you, could have lost your mind, could have even lost your life. But God has been keeping you. Won't he keep you? Won't he give you everlasting security? I'm done. But he'll give you abounding grace. He'll give you overflowing joy. He'll give you everlasting security. 
No wonder the wise men still seek him. Finally, verse 12, the Bible says, that's my second finally, isn't it? Finally, verse 12, but I'm getting myself happy. I'll have one more after this one. The Bible says, uh, these fellows, these wise men were warned of God not to return to Herod, but to go back to their own country another way. Help me close. Touch somebody and tell them I'm going another way. Whenever you come to worship, you never have to leave the same way you came. Yeah. Uh, you, you may have came bitter one way. Uh -huh. May have came not getting along with whoever, who, you, whoever you rode with one way. Yeah. But you all leave here like the wise man left and go another way. Yeah. Because the fact is, if you keep going the same way, you, not be, you may not be going any way. Yeah. Because if they had gone back to see Herod, he would have killed them. But how many of you know God will give you a new direction? Yes, he will. Won't he do it? Yes, Songwriter said, I came to Jesus yes, just as I was, weary, worn, and sad. But I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. Somebody said, Pastor, how did you know Auburn was going to win that football game yesterday? They weren't supposed to win. You said it last Sunday. We just didn't believe you. Well, boo-boo on you. I tried to tell you. When you have faith, no matter how the odds are stacked up against you, they said Alabama had all the superior athletes. Every position they had a better coach, better facilities, more money to spend. They said, Pastor, you must have had your rally hat on. No, no, I didn't have my rally hat on. I had another hat on. Because when it looked like they were going to win, I just put on a hat called Faith. You're catching the man. I said, I put on a hat called Faith. You still ain't giving. The Bible says if you're faithful, even after death, I'll give you a crown. And so when I put on my faith hat, you know what he did? He gave me the winning crown. Won't he do it? If they anybody in here, feel like praising him with me. If you keep the faith,